Nyata, hello, it's Alison here. I'm from a church in Pequarren country in the lands of the Eastern Ma Nation in a region now known as Southwest Victoria. It's been more than 20 years since my mother died. As some of you will know, she had multiple sclerosis. First, it disrupted her balance, so she had to walk with a cane. Then it caused paraplegia, so she rolled around in a wheelchair. Gradually, the paralysis crept up her spine and she became quadriplegic, so she graduated into an electric wheelchair, which someone else steered for her. And then she began losing hearing and vision and finally the strength and mobility to inflate her lungs and breathe. She died crippled, lame and blind. More in those pre-NDIS days, given the time and money poured into hospital stays and rehabilitation, physical therapy, medical appointments, medications, disability equipment, house renovations, loss of income and my father's early retirement to care for her. She died much poorer than most of her able-bodied peers perhaps realise. As some of you also know, my mother was a minister. But perhaps you don't know that she worked until just a year before she died, sitting in a wheelchair as she ministered to a community and prayed with people, reflected on the Bible and interpreted scripture for their context. I wonder then how she would have interpreted Luke chapter 14. When she arrived at the church walking with a cane, they had no disabled toilet and no ramp access. It was only as her condition deteriorated that they gradually installed such things, an accessible toilet in the outside amenities block, a ramp at a side door, and provision for working from home once it became necessary. But for a long time, my father would drive to the church office several times a day to take her to an accessible toilet just as he would enter the church with her through the side door while the congregation streamed in through the main doors at the front. The thing is it's hard for people to advocate for themselves, especially if you're a woman and especially if you're the first female senior pastor in an Australian Baptist church. And even more especially when your church allows you to work from home and take extended leave whenever your condition worsens. The pressure on my mum to make things work was extreme. Perhaps she felt the church had done enough, and perhaps it had. At that time, simply accommodating a female body in the pulpit was a radical act, although, of course, she soon could not access the pulpit itself. Perhaps being able to use the front door of the building or having an inside toilet felt like too much to expect. That was 20 years ago, but I'm not sure how greatly the church at large has changed. When I visit churches, I try to work out how a body like hers would enter the building, or use a toilet, or be positioned in the sanctuary, or get into the pulpit, or onto the stage to preach. Sometimes it would be easy. Other times it's hard to see how a body like hers 
could lead a service or chair a meeting or even be fully part of the worshipping congregation. And so tonight's story should make some churches feel very uncomfortable. Jesus is dining with a leader of the Pharisees who by definition is of sound body since physically disabled bodies were banned from entering the temple. The Pharisee is also wealthy enough to invite a group of people to the meal and his guests have been jostling for status at the table. So Jesus gives this wealthy, able-bodied religious leader a word of advice. When you invite people to a meal, he says, don't invite your friends, your relatives or your rich neighbours, that is, these people who are jostling to be first. But when you give a banquet, he says, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame and the blind, and you will be blessed. Well, one of the dinner guests hears this and bristles. Blessed is anyone who'll eat bread in the kingdom of God, he says. He might as well have said, all lives matter, or men are victims of violence. Because while these things are true, black lives really matter in a society which consistently devalues them. And violence against women really matters in a society which consistently puts them at risk. And poor, crippled, lame and blind lives really matter in a society which consistently blocks them from participating fully in religious and communal life. So Jesus responds to the guest's challenge with a story. He tells of a man who gives a banquet, but the usual invited guests decide not to come. And so he tells his servant, go out at once into the streets and lanes of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. That is exactly the people Jesus has just told the Pharisee to invite to dinner. Even after this has been done, though, there's still room. So the servant goes out again. He hauls in all the people he can find in the roads and the laneways, the drifters and the unhoused and the unemployed and the children playing hopscotch and whoever else he can find. And these people all come in and enjoy the great banquet. Notice. This is not a healing story. This is not a story where Jesus touches people and changes their bodies from blind to seeing, from lame to dancing. The guests don't need to be able-bodied, rich or adult in order to sit at the table. They don't become able-bodied, rich or adult by participating in the meal. And they're not there by the gracious invitation of able-bodied, rich or adult people. In fact, in this story, comfortably wealthy, able-bodied adults refuse the invitation. They've got better things to do. And so the table is entirely made up of disabled people and poor people and children and drifters, drawn in by the urging of the servant of the host. This suggests to me a fundamental reorientation of the church. A typical church in Australia has a group of middle-class, able-bodied adults at the centre 
who make the decisions and control the finances and graciously decide to welcome, quote unquote, others with access ramps, disabled toilets and large print orders of service, if they choose to welcome them at all. But this story suggests that God's table is primarily made up of disabled people and poor people and whoever the cat drags in, and that God's servants should be rushing into the streets to find such people and to ensure they find their seat. But of course, for this hospitality to be meaningful and not humiliating, the guests must be able to enter the building through the main door and read the menu and use an inside toilet. The preacher Jason McKelly reminds us, our calling as a community is not to make the world a better place. It's to be the better place Christ has made in the world. I look around at our little group and our bodies of varying abilities with our chronic conditions and chronic pain and failing eyesight. I am infinitely grateful that God made a building available for sanctuary which has access ramps, a disabled toilet and no excluding stage or pulpit. Even as I acknowledge that even with and perhaps because of my history, I still have a lot to learn about becoming fully accessible. I said earlier that it's hard for people to advocate for themselves, but it's also hard to understand how inaccessible places are until your own body cannot access them. So I ask that you come and tell me if there are things which can be done to improve accessibility for you or your loved ones so we can work on doing this better together. Meanwhile, I'm glad to say that I can imagine my mum participating in the physical gatherings here. She could enter the building with everyone else and go to the inside toilet. She could raise her voice while she still had puff and preach like me, sitting down. We're certainly not perfect, but our building's not bad and our low-key style is accommodating. So let's keep seeking to be the better place that Christ has made in the world. And let's think hard about who we should be running, rolling or being rolled towards and actively drawing in to the banquet. That's all for today and there's always more to read on our website at sanctuarybaptist.org. Sanctuary is funded entirely by members and supporters. If you'd like to support the work of this little church, you can make a donation via PayPal and you'll find the details for this on the website. This recording was made on the lands of the Peak Warring people of the Eastern Ma Nation, a land taken by force and never ceded, a land threaded by rivers and bounded by the sea. This week a young Kuntapul or southern right whale seems to have learned to use its tail. I watched it lunging and lobtailing and rolling for joy in the bay. I pay my respects to elders and whale singers past and present. The peace of the land, the peace of the oceans, the peace of this world be with us all. Amen. <laughs>